Hi, this is Adina, here with today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant, podcast show of Courage to be Curious. This entire year of 2020 is dedicated to exploring and asking productively curious questions. Honestly, there is no simpler or better tool to facilitate positive change in our lives, relationships, and in our workplaces than learning to ask and answer more productively curious questions. So let's dive right in to today's question and today's full episode. Hi, this is Adina here with today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant, podcast show of Courage to be Curious. And once again, this week, we've drawn a card from the Lead with the Courage to be Curious card deck. How can I listen more deeply? This question, this productively curious question, could be in any of our decks. And some version of a listening question is, there's a reason why it's in the Lead deck, though. And part of leadership is not just about knowing what to do or having had more experience so that you can guide others. But it's actually creating spaces where people can feel seen and can feel heard so that they can optimize their contribution to the organization and into their work. One of the things we receive virtually no training in, however, is how do we listen deeply to people? And what actually are we listening for? So I wanted to spend a little bit of time on this episode talking about these really important questions. When you read the literature and it talks about why do people leave organizations and why do people stay in organizations, the number one reason on both of those sides has to do with their boss. People leave organizations because their direct supervisors are difficult to work with. They don't actually foster growth and development, but they point out criticisms. They make the work more difficult. They don't really tune into creating a space, creating an environment where people can optimize their contributions. Why do people stay in organizations? People stay in organizations because their bosses do the exact opposite. They create opportunity for growth, development, meaningful contribution. And a key factor in all of that is being able to listen well. You can't actually support someone's growth and development or create those spaces for maximum contribution unless you are understanding that person and understanding comes through listening. So what does it mean to listen deeply? There are these different ways that we listen. So very briefly, I'm going to run through some of the types of listen, ways that we engage with listening. The first type is not a productive way of listening, and it's what we call a completely distracted form of listening. So somebody comes to talk to you, and again, it used to be in our offices. Now it might be even popping onto a Zoom call or a phone call or some other kind of media and launching into that conversation kind of midstream with what you've already been thinking about. Two people pop into a conversation. One person's head is already going, has been going on a speeding train for a long time. That other person pops in. And there's not actually real listening going on. There's just a continuation of a train of thought that might have no connection or relevance to the person who's on the call. It might also be that that person has something to say or to contribute but you know, your mind is moving so fast and so quickly and is so preoccupied that you don't even have time to pay attention to what it is. 
So there's this distracted form of listening. There's another form of listening, again, not our most productive, which is very self-referential. Somebody needs your attention about something. Maybe they even just want to get something off their chest. They need to express something. They want to ask a question. But again, the mind is so busy that as the supervisor or the leader in the conversation, we take what they're asking about and suddenly it becomes self-referential about us. So maybe I'm struggling with trying to balance everything between work and home. And as the leader, I pop right in and I say, me too. And here are all my struggles. And suddenly it's about me. Maybe there's a struggle on a project, something that's hard to figure out, or a team member that a person's having a difficult time working with. And right again, as a leader, if I'm not really tuned in, that conversation can become about me again. Well, you know, this happens to me all the time. And, you know, very often it's difficult to work with people. And here's my latest, you know, episode of that. So the second form of listening is a kind of listening where things become self-referential, consistently self-referential. Imagine being the person on the other side of that, the person trying to be heard on the other side of that, both the disconnected or the self-referential form of listening. Really, I have no idea why I'm in the conversation. Why am I here at all? None of this actually pertains to me or has anything to do with me. All I'm doing is being witness to the train that's running through your mind and keeping you preoccupied. We've all been in those situations. We've all either been the person who is on the other side of someone else's speeding train, and we have also all shown up at times that way, where the train in our minds is speeding so fast that we don't really listen at all. But the damage that can cause in a relationship is pretty profound, because if people consistently walk away from conversations not feeling heard, there's a lack of, there's a diminishment of trust in the relationship. And there's a diminishment of connection and a diminishment of faith that I can really rely on you as a leader or somebody to guide me. There's a third kind of leadership that I want to talk about, which is the fix it. And this one is very common. It's common among parents. It's common among leaders. It's common among most of us. We love this form of listening. Somebody comes to us with a problem or a situation or something that they're grappling with. And right away we go to, I have the solution. Here's what you should do. Here's what you need to do. There are some cases where people are actually looking for a solution, but more often than not, people are looking to be heard in the situation. And were we to create some space and listen more deeply, the person who's come to us might actually arrive at their own solution. And when people arrive at their own solution, it tends to fit them better, be more productive and effective for them, and they have more buy-in and ownership of it. And yet, as listeners, we have to ask ourselves, how often do we jump to try to provide a solution to someone else's problem? Why do we do that? We do that for a few different reasons. One is it can make us feel relevant. And in organizations, you know, even though we don't like to think about it, aren't we all trying to make sure and ensure that we have relevancy? You know, we have a purpose that we have meaning and we're making contribution. And one of kind of like the easy ways to try to, to own that is to start fixing other people's problems. The second reason that often happens is typically people in leadership roles promote from positions that are more frontline roles. 
And so when we've been in a frontline position where we were expected to be solution oriented and present ideas and solutions, we now move into a leadership role and we just continue on that path. We continue thinking that the greatest value that we contribute into any situation is by knowing the answer. And that's actually a really big distinction. This is why this is in the leadership deck. Because our greatest value as somebody in a leadership role or someone who is demonstrating leadership in a situation is not to have the answer. It is actually to create a space where the people, the team, the individuals working around us can find solutions. And that's not because we know the answer and we just want to grow them, although that's a good reason to do it. It's also a recognition that most problems worth solving or ideas and solutions worth investigating are bigger than what one person can solve on their own. That when we provide solutions and try to fix things, we actually limit the amount of thinking that can happen around the issue. So this is a third form of listening that we can engage in that I want to draw attention to because can we check ourselves as leaders? Can we check ourselves as parents? Can we even check ourselves as friends and say, huh, what else might I do in a conversation aside from try to identify the problem or issue that somebody is facing and try to fix it? And this is where we move into another kind of listening, a deeper form of listening that is about really paying attention and acknowledging what's going on for the other person. And here's why this is so important and also why it's so difficult. When people speak, they're often speaking, like if we think about an iceberg and we know that the tip of an iceberg with, we can see the top 10% of an iceberg, but it's the 90% that's hidden below the surface of the water that actually is the really, the thing that we call the iceberg. The other, the tip is just sort of an obstacle. The iceberg is actually made up of the 90% that we can't see. And very often in human communication, that is also true. That the thing that the person is communicating with their words right now, if we listen to their words very literally, we miss the 90% that is actually what's being conveyed. Because people tend to give us surface level communication. They want to know if we're paying attention. And sometimes they also haven't distilled what's really behind the communication that they're giving us. And so what would it look like to start paying attention to the 90% as opposed to putting all of our attention and focus on the 10%? This is a really productively curious question to consider. What would that mean? What would that look like to listen for that other 90% that is not necessarily being verbalized in words? This is where we start to listen deeply. So we acknowledge, wow, that seems like a challenging situation, or I'm really glad you brought that to me. It sounds important. We create statements that invite somebody in to keep talking because typically if we can create a space for people to keep talking, they will start to reveal the next 10% and a little bit more about the next 10%. They'll start to explore it on their own or reveal a little bit more. When we do that fix it thing, we kind of shut down and we say, all right, I got enough information. That's all I need to know. Let me tell you what to do. When we make statements that invite continued dialogue, that's exactly what happens. People tend to talk more. 
So we can make statements. We can ask questions. Well, what have you started thinking about that? You know, how are you and your team beginning to explore that? What obstacles are you facing? What ideas are you coming up with? Where might we go with this that we haven't thought about before? We could begin to ask those kinds of questions, make statements that engage somebody in going deeper. And in our own minds, we can be looking for signals that we are uncovering and revealing what's in that 90% below the surface. There's always more. When we have the courage and the willingness to listen more deeply, we will be amazed as to what people bring forward. We will see sides of people we've never seen before. We will see creative pieces and elements to people's thinking that we've never experienced before. And this deepens relationship, it deepens trust, and it sends and communicates a message. I value you. I value what you bring to the table. I value how you think. So this week's exploration is about how can I listen more deeply? So wherever you're leading, whether that's in an organization, at home, with your children, in your intimate relationships, out in your community, and even online, how can you listen beyond the top 10% and start to listen to the wealth of information that lies below the surface? Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. And if you have comments, reflections, I'd love to hear from you, Adina at CourageToBeCurious.com. You can also find these decks, Live with the Courage to Be Curious, Lead with the Courage to Be Curious, and Love with the Courage to Be Curious on our website at CourageToBeCurious.com or on the page LiveLeadLoveCourageously.com. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to experience the full game-changing potential of the questions we explore, be sure to add your name to our mailing list at www.couragetobecurious.com. Our subscribers receive weekly notification of the podcast along with specific tools for using these questions on a daily and weekly basis to create positive and powerful impact. As always, the questions we explore on the podcast can be found in our Live, Lead, and Love with the Courage to be Curious card decks that are available at liveleadlovecourageously.com. And if you're interested in harnessing the power of productive curiosity for your company or organization, contact us about scheduling a professional development experience. In the meantime, keep wondering your way to brilliance.